same old dog and pony show. Well thought out curriculum. Avalanches don't care whether you're an expert. Generational shift taking place in our avalanche industry workplace. Are you drinking beer? Welcome to part two of the fourth episode of the Avalanche Hour. I'm your host, Caleb Merrill. By producing this podcast, we are working to create a stronger community through sharing stories, knowledge, and news amongst people who have a curious fascination with avalanches. If you haven't given our new website a look, go have a gander. You can find it at www.theavalanchehour.com. Let me know what you think. With part two of the fourth episode, we continue our interview with Kirk Bachman talking about some of the upcoming changes in avalanche education taking place in the United States. If you haven't listened to part one of his interview, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one first. In this next portion of the interview, Kirk covers where you may fit into the new paradigm of education and offers some advice to recreational backcountry users and avalanche professionals alike. In the second portion of the show, we get some perspective from Jonathan Spitzer as he weighs in on how some of the changes in avalanche education will fit into the AMGA guide training, as well as how it will benefit the professional guiding community as a whole. Without delay, here's the continuation of our interview with Kirk Bachman. I'm sure it's had its challenges trying to bring all the players to the table and, and, and sift through all this over the last few years and and like you said it's been many more than just a few years in the making um with the evolution of this uh educational track um but it seems like it certainly is going to benefit all users quite a bit quite a bit more uh with this new pro rec split i think uh it might benefit some of our listeners just to talk about what would happen if you're already partway through your educational career? Say, say I'm a um, a ski patroller and I've taken a level two, and in the in the current soon to be old paradigm, I would maybe in a few years take a level three. So, um, how how is that going to affect folks that are kind of midway through their education? Well, anytime you make a move, and, and this is definitely a, a, a significant move. I mean, we're changing the paradigm. You have to, you know, recognize avalanche education that's taken place uh, currently and in the past. And so, there's an element of, hey, how does the course I took apply moving forward? And so, I think in um, a couple of examples, uh, the pro training coordinator, the person that oversees the development of the pro training program for the AAA and the AAA itself has had a industry advisory group as well as a lot of input from the um, old established professional course providers to come up with a template, if you will, of how do you, how would a, a previous course apply moving forward into the new paradigm. And so, um, there are um, templates that are accessible if you on the American Avalanche Association website that shows equivalency as to what old programs uh, how they translate into the new 
programs, how a level two might translate, for example, as being equivalent to a pro training one. I mean, the biggest issue, and as I pointed out earlier, is at the level two level in the old paradigm. Um, the problem was is it was a mixed training, a hybrid training of recreation and pros, but the other uh, complication to that course was there never really was any um, formal evaluation piece right. and so that's one thing that for example if a person that had taken a level two uh, might need to uh, consider a bridge that's been identified where you may very well have all of the um, background and skill sets and knowledge at the level two level where it's it's a you know, can easily move into the pro track, but there may be an evaluation piece that could be addressed on a short bridge course where you come in there with your skill set, you know, hey, I'm going to have these things evaluated, and you just take that bridge course. I mean, that would be one example of some, how it's been dealt with. But to a large extent, um, all of the training is going to be transfer over a level someone that's taken a level three for example with their supplemental I mean the big thing about the old level three is that it did have an evaluation component mm -hmm. and so people were really <clears throat> looked at and evaluated um, and tested to where it really you know you can sign off and say somebody was working to a certain standard as it relates to what was being tested and so that has a little bit more crossover. The level three has more crossover into the new program. And as to where it drops, pro one, pro two, probably has a lot to do with other things as well that the person would have on their resume um, as, a, as a professional. And what other programs in addition to that. But, but there are, that has all been considered and there's a, a table on that at the if you're a member of the AAA that you can go and look at that table by logging in with your membership and look at all the pro training equivalencies and better in, and further get a real good understanding of the entire program what it looks like so again another reason to be a member of, of the American Avalanche Association if you're on the pro track and um, so the the American Mountain Guides Association has kind of addressed this head on. I mean, for all the people that are in the guiding world, and um, they uh, have a history of running an extensive program, and so the AMGA has has gone quite a long way in actually considering um, how trainings prior to where we are currently fit into how you would move forward with those trainings. I mean, again, they have a template for all of that stuff. So if a person were on the guiding track, that would be the best thing I would say is, is look to um, the AMGA as to how they're seeing how people move forward with their training. Right. And we'll link, we'll link some of these resources that Kirk is talking about onto the Facebook page. Um, so, so our listeners can check those out, and I can attest they, they do really help out um, with your understanding of how this process has evolved and, and then how it may affect you in your avalanche education career, whether you're a um, recreational user or a professional within the industry.
I then asked Kirk how the ProRec split would affect course providers of avalanche education. There is the need for uh, recreational course providers to really scrutinize and align with the new guidelines and recognize that um, these changes are significant enough that um, in terms of how we view a course that it's it's certainly not just pulling out how you've always taught uh, your level twos and realize well now I'm just the only difference is I've just got wrecked people sitting in here and yeah. really in order to make it a robust uh, course that um, really does um, provide the degree of um, uh, interest and enthusiasm that, that a, per, a prospective student would want that there are things that they need to really drill down on and what does this new rec level two look like and uh and specifically i mean others i mean if you're an independent course provider i'm talking about teaching recreational courses now um it's the onus is going to be on you to do that um uh, and train your instructors and train your instructors really to spend the time looking at these guidelines and saying hey we're you know got to be really kind of think forward about how we're doing these new level twos in order to make them the robust the robust course that we want them to look like and then if you're a program so an independent has to take this onus upon themselves an independent course provider if you were affiliated and uh, and recognized as an ARI course provider a lot of that work is attended to by just being a part of that organization because they're taking that responsibility head on to really um, make sure that their course providers are up to speed and supplying them with what's what are the next steps for me to move forward with so I, that in the case of people that are aligned and in, in running airy courses they've got the benefit of, of some of that um, curriculum development being attended to within the organization. I'd say that would be my main um, kind of idea that I want to make sure course providers are aware of as to, you know, if you've got, if you're an independent, you've kind of got to do this on your own and, and the onus is on you. And if you're part of the ARI program, recognizing that these new curriculums are being developed and um, in, in it, they're different from the old model and most of uh, the ARI people that are members of ARI have all been apprised of this so this isn't new information to them I mean this has been in the wheelhouse of communication now for well over a year yeah. and so the materials have been developed for those course providers and the big thing will be the unrolling of it where people actually get the formal exposure to it and so if you're considering teaching this from this new rec guideline um, you're going to probably need to be taking the instructor training programs to get and remain current within the ARI program mm -hmm. yeah it's certainly not going to be plug and play for you know everybody there's significant changes so mm -hmm. that's a that's a really good point Kirk I was wondering if you could just give a, a piece or two of advice to any anybody that's that's either recreating in the in avalanche terrain 
or uh, who's kind of just starting their their career in the avalanche industry. Um, you've had a long career as a as a guide and and been in the industry a long time, and just wondering if you have any advice for the folks that are considering making this a career. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Or good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You, you gotta you gotta be good at it, and uh, but you also have to be. There has to be a certain measure of luck um, along the way. So it's kind of a combination of the two. But I mean, the one piece of advice I would I um, would hand out to both recreationists and pros, um, but in slightly different uh, treatments, was is the importance of staying engaged with avalanche education and training and the avalanche community on the whole. I mean, I, I think it's really, I think anybody that understands that's been in the industry, working in the industry, realizes the importance of continuing education, of, of being actively involved, following the changes in the industry, um, what's the latest research, what's the latest science, uh, what's the latest social science? I mean, all of these things that there's continuing to be really robust um, um, insights and research that continues to um, develop and unfold. And I think there's just no shortcut. Uh, I, that is a single piece of advice is the importance of engagement, um, whether you're a recreationist or a pro. And um, both... Uh, Audiences or both um, streams, if you will, have you know really tangible, concrete things you can do um, to be engaged. I mean, there are the um, regional um, snow and avalanche workshops, for example. I mean, if you're a recreationist and you've taken all these trainings, I mean, that's the first step. I really would encourage people to stay engaged with their avalanche education on the recreational side. On the and and continue with their continuing ed through uh, the regional saws, uh, the online resources that are available. I mean, there's a lot of just a ton of things out there now in social media. And uh, as an old schooler, I don't have to tell the new schoolers how to go about this. <laughs> you know, you guys are very up to speed in accessing. Um, updating um, information and so but take advantage of all those resources that are out there and stay engaged and for the pros I mean I, I can't reinforce how important being a member of the American Avalanche Association is an important step in in being part of the avalanche community and at the professional level it will go a long way in terms of having access to the community, networking, resources, um, and all the tools that um, potentially are at your um, um, accessible to you. So that would be my advice. And learning about further trainings and, and other educational opportunities. I think, it, I think it's a huge resource, just like you're saying, for networking, and it's certainly benefited me in the past and continues to every day. Well, Kirk, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on the show today and, and explain uh, what you guys have been up to at the AAA for the last the last few years, since 2013. I'm sure it's been a heck of a lot of work and and uh, will continue to be. Um, but we the community as a whole, I think, 
really appreciates it and and uh all the hard work does not go unnoticed so appreciate it yeah well it's been a a, a big effort on everybody's part but i think uh big things uh move slowly and uh, uh the u.s has a really diverse uh community and uh there's been a lot of innovation over the years that uh you know, I think that's the hallmark of, of uh, the U.S., the United States, uh, avalanche education world. Um, a lot of really, in, a lot of independent thinking out there, and hopefully that will be something that we always continue to support is the innovation, innovation and independent thinking in the U.S. that um, is a very real part of our community, and hopefully combine that with a a more robust um, training program that offers more consistency across the board for um, creating opportunities down the road for people that want to continue to uh, work in this field. So, um, you know, I think it's something we all believe in, people that are doing the work, and um, I'm happy just to be part of it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kurt. Cheers. Jonathan Spitzer and I met while ski patrolling back in the day at Solitude Mountain Resort in the Wasatch. Jonathan now works as a fully certified IFMGA guide, venturing with folks on rock climbing, alpine climbing, and skiing expeditions across the globe. During the winter months, Jonathan stays busy heli-ski guiding for Ruby Mountain Heli-Ski, teaching avalanche courses for ARI, as well as instructing ski guiding courses for the AMGA. It was great to catch up with my good friend and colleague Spitzer while he gives us some input on how he feels the new paradigm of avalanche education will benefit the guiding community. I'd like to welcome Jonathan Spitzer to the Avalanche Hour podcast. Um, we brought Jonathan onto the show today to talk about how he feels the the pro rec split and more specifically the professional track within avalanche education will benefit the professional community both the professional avalanche community as well as the professional guiding community uh, jonathan has a, a pretty strong background both in avalanche education professional guiding and as an instructor for both the american mountain guys association as well as uh, within avalanche education so welcome jonathan Thanks for having me tonight, Caleb. Really appreciate it. Yeah, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about your background in avalanche education, guiding, and instructing. Um, yeah, well, I grew up skiing in the Pacific Northwest and uh, just really loved spending time outside skiing. And so I went to college at Western State College of Colorado in Gunnison, where I really fell in love with the mountains, both in the winter and in the summer. So I took I studied uh, recreation, Caleb, there and got a uh, degree in recreation. But while I was in college, I um, met with Tom Murphy, who at the time was the director of ARI, and I took my first ARI course in 2003. Um, shortly thereafter, I, I took my first AMJ course in 2004, the next winter, and kept on just really not sure what I wanted to do with my life, but I was guiding in the summer and kind of piecemealing my way through winter with ski patrolling and taking people snowshoeing, whatever work I could find 
and got my ski guide certification in 2007 and then my full IFMJ certification and in 2009. And, and, you know, now I work, I'm really fortunate. I work for the AMJ as one of their skiing, ski, ski um, instructor, instructors working both the ski guide course and all the way through all the ski exams. Then I also work for Aerie teaching all levels, level one, two, and three. But my real passion is, is I work in the heli ski industry at, um, where you work at Ruby mountain heli ski lodge. And I've been now fortunate to be part of the heli ski industry for just over a decade. And I've led ski tours to the Hope route, um, ski traverses in Alaska and Canada and call Salt Lake my home. So you've gotten to see both the recreational user going through these educational programs as well as the professional user. Uh, we have you on the show today to talk mostly about how the professional track um, in, in this shift within avalanche education in the U.S. will benefit the guiding industry. Um, so looking back on your roles as both a student and an instructor, for area programs and AMGA programs, what did you feel like were some needs um, needs for improvement within avalanche education? Caleb, these are uh, these are tough questions. <laughs> no softballs here for Spitz. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Well, I think you know when I went through the program, um, the avalanche education program. You would take a level one, which is 24 hours, usually done over three days. And then you would take a level two, which is four days long, 40 hours is typically how they run. Then you have to gain all this experience and knowledge, you know, which would be on-the-job training to take the level three. And hopefully you would pass that. But with the, now the pro split, what it's going to help do is help focus more on both hard skills with the technical skills and the technical writing um, to make – individuals more ready for the workplace and provide worker safety in the long run. So that's really the goal is to produce um, workers, whether they be ski patrollers or ski guides or developing forecasters that can really communicate amongst one, one another with a common language. And they're recording their observations in a common way, a professional way, according to swag. Um, and and really, these these employers are really going to benefit from a higher caliber of professional training within the avalanche education world. Yeah, exactly. And our industry is actually a unique thing. We're going to see a generational shift take place here, possibly for the first time in um in the avalanche industry here in the United States and having the, both the pro one, which really focuses on the technical skills and then the pro two, which could focus on big picture skills, forecasting, avalanche accidents, um, technical writing, and will make the newer generation, people like myself and yourself, um, Caleb, more ready to take on leadership roles as this workplace, as these, you know, people call them the old dogs move on. And we're going to be um, more prepared for that. So with this changing of the guard, Jonathan, you know, these, the, as you call them, the old dogs, the previous generation within the avalanche industry, they were really figuring out a lot of this stuff. They were figuring out snowpack stability tests. They were figuring out ways to record their observations all by necessity because, um, you know, the, the founding fathers at La Chapelle, for example, you know, these guys realized that they needed a way to record and communicate their findings. Um, and so they really built the foundation for 
um, a lot of this stuff that we're teaching today in avalanche courses. Um, but it is evolving. Yeah, it's constantly evolving. Uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be naturally some pushback. And I think students need to be aware that the first year there could be some flaws to the system as both the AAA and the AMJ and the instructors both work out the new curriculum. In the long run, it's going to be, uh, you know, improve the individual's um, learning outcomes, both for the students and for the instructors and for the workers, um, the employers in the long run. You know, people who want to work in the heli ski industry, for example, are going to come more prepared having taken a Pro 1 and a Pro 2 and an AMJ course than they will have ever had before. And um, and that's really what we're starting to look for, both as an employee and an employer, is to have um, people come to these work work jobs with these um, with these skill sets. So specifically, how is the AMGA looking to integrate the Pro 1 and Pro 2 into their course progression to become, a, a say, a, a certified ski guide? And what's that process look like to become a certified ski guide with the AMGA? Yeah. Um, so people can go to the AMGA.com. It's the website. It's really easy to um, find things on there. But it typically takes between 35 or 40 days, depending on which path you start in the ski guide course. You'll take the first level, the ski guide course, which is 12 days long. It's 11 days in the field and then one day for evaluations. After you complete that course, you'll need to have a pro one to get into that course. So starting in two years from now, but next year there's a, there's an area that people can either have the level two and then the following year you'll need to have the pro one. So there's a grace year there after the ski guide course is a big part of what we call mentorship and on the job learning people need to go out and get experience just same thing with their pro one they need to go and utilize these skills and practice it in the workplace after that then when you get some more advanced skiing experience and ski guiding and some mentorship you would take the advanced ski guide course slash aspirant exam which is 10 days long it's hosted usually in a terrain that is heavily glaciated for example valdez alaska or rogers pass or chamonix france is where those courses are held to take that course you will need to have a pro two or a level three and then once you successfully complete that you need to meet the mentorship requirements and the the prerequisites and then you would apply for your ski guide exam which is eight days long so all in all the process isn't one year it's a minimum of a three-year commitment and that's what a lot of people i think come to the courses in the amj and are like okay i want to be a certified ski guide and they really realize that it's a long-term commitment it takes a minimum looking at the numbers and the way the calendars work a minimum of three winters most likely four to five for most people right this process doesn't happen overnight and that's that's much in the same same effect with avalanche education you know we get people that take a level one and they're looking to take a level two in the in the current paradigm they're looking to take a level two that same winter and then maybe a, a winter or two after that looking to take a level three and i think everybody just needs to slow down a little bit and take their time and gain some experience both professionally and uh, personally before furthering some of that avalanche education the more I teach these AMJ courses and the advanced avalanche courses that have an examination, the people that come who are 
on a slower track who've gained more experience in the field tend to perform really well. The individuals that are what we call fast tracking it end up um, missing key areas in their risk management component and reading terrain and end up having to retake a course or failing the program, unfortunately. And so you've mentioned mentorship a couple times. What are, what are some other ways that you would recommend um, both, both not just in guiding but maybe more in the avalanche industry of folks gaining some of that valuable experience? I think uh, ski patrolling is probably one of the best ways to get your foot in the door to actually be a ski guy. You get to see direct correlation to explosives, to um, new snow and deep snow instabilities with a um, with the resort that does obviously control work. I had the privilege of working at Crested Butte and Solitude as a ski patroller and got to learn a lot about avalanches and snow science there. Then moved into backcountry skiing and now into helicopter skiing. So I think those are great mentorship ways. And you meet a ton of people through those industries, and then you can slowly branch yourself out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, too, would would echo that of, of having experience as a ski patroller and especially somewhere that does a lot of avalanche mitigation work. Uh, it's totally invaluable to be able to see avalanches fracture, to go out in the morning and have an idea of what you think is going to happen and then intentionally trigger those avalanches. And, and, and that's the best feedback you can get to be able to test your own personal or operational forecast. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll never take the explosives away from the resorts and the highways. So. Right. Program's going. It's a pretty important tool in the toolbox. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's been a common theme throughout all of the shows this year that folks that come on the show just encourage listeners and backcountry users um, and professionals all to further their, their education at no matter what point in their in their career they're at. You know, it's it's key to not becoming stagnant. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, the, the thing with the pro one and pro two courses, it's going to, um, give a lot of opportunities, not just for the younger generation, but for some of the, um, people who've been maybe stagnant at snowbird for 10 years to try a course that with a newer curriculum and be pushed both mentally and, um, and with their technical skills to up their game as we say it. And, and it's only going to improve a safer workplace for everybody and, provide better communication, which we all know results in, um, in hope and hopefully less accidents out there, both in the workplace and just recreationally. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can kind of relate it to the medical field. I mean, you know, we both either have our woofers or EMTs, right. And, and CPR, CPR isn't just a class that you take once and then you're done. You know, you have to refresh it every couple of years and new things, they can always seem to come out with new standards every couple of years. Um, and so in order to stay current with that, you need to refresh yourself and retake those courses. So I think that's a really, a really good point. Very yeah. salient. The only last thing I would say is for people who are looking at taking the pro one and pro two, um, you know, just realize next year is going to be a huge rollout. A lot of changes taking place. So hop in a course, but also just realize to be patient. It could be um, it could be a learning experience both for the students and the instructors on both ends of that course. But so far, the curriculum has been um, is going to is going to provide clear learning outcomes for the students with a more clear itinerary, which in the end result 
the five-day components is going to provide a higher level of education and product for the students. Um, a lot of people have put a lot of hard work into developing these curriculums and the learning outcomes um, and some of the evaluation matrix. So um, everybody's working hard to get on board and become more and more familiar with that, and, and I, I think that's a really good point to be patient with it. Spitzer, well, well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you, and best of luck with your spring. All right. Thank you very much, Caleb, and um, thanks for having me again on the show. Cheers. Well, that will just about wrap up another episode of the Avalanche Hour podcast. We thank you, our listeners, for your support. We would also like to thank all of our contributors this season for donating their time and adding to the conversation. I haven't been getting much feedback lately on the show, so if you are liking it or hating it, shoot me an email. I view this as your show, not mine, so help me help you. Interested in supporting the show? Go to the website and purchase some sweet gear or donate a dollar or two per show that I release. Anything helps. Head on over to our Facebook page, follow the Avalanche Hour podcast, and share the post with a link to this episode on it for a chance to win a pair of M1 gloves from our friends at Truck Gloves. It's that easy. Click, share, win. The winner from last episode was George D'Angelo of Chalice, Idaho. Thanks for listening, George. Music today was from some tracks by Broke for Free, courtesy of Free Music Archive, and made possible by the Creative Commons license. Check out freemusicarchive.com for more information. Mike T. crafted our artwork. Thanks, T. I'll leave you with some sage advice from the Sawtooth OG himself. Until next time, keep having fun and stay safe out there. It's fine to have teach trip planning in an avalanche course, but you kind of need to plan your life a little bit too, you know. You can learn a lot from this process if you've got a, something going on at a, at a slightly different valence that resembles, you know, think through this before you jump in.